Hello, welcome back to Stardust Records, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Savi, and I'm here with my co-host, Lens. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, but before we begin our episode with her, we'd like to remind our listeners that due to the ongoing WGA and sag strikes, we will not be covering Struck content. This includes upcoming and previous Star Wars content. While it is not required of podcasters to do this, Lens and I stand in solidarity with writers and actors and will not be reviewing or discussing any content outside of books and comics. So before we get started with our special guest, Lens and I just wanted to say that this episode is episode one of season two of Stardust Records as we approach one year of our podcast, which is really exciting. We started a little bit after Andor premiered, which at the time of this recording is the year that Andor released on Disney Plus. But we wanted to just really quickly go through some things to talk about, you know, what we've been through in this year of Stardust Records and some highlights and to say thanks. So I'll yeah. hand it off. So- <laughs> so yeah thank you guys for listening uh we really appreciate it we um we've mentioned this before but we started this podcast as like you know we're, we're best friends we love talking about star wars we love being excited about it together and we wanted to be excited about it together with you all so um thank you again for being being our listeners we love you um and so yeah we thought we'd talk about some of our highlights and the things that we um, we're really excited for, and yeah, so, um, like Sabi said, we got started with Andor, which was something that we highly anticipated for months, and it was one of the driving forces behind starting this podcast, mm-hmm. and so I think that, um, just our whole coverage of that show just holds a really special place in my heart, just for the fact that, like, we both stayed up so late <laughs> to watch it, and, um, yeah, just, like, the sleepless nights, and the excitement, yeah. and the, that was so fun. I know, that was fun. I-, I remember how long it took to get my sleep schedule back on track after those 12, that 12 episode run. Like, I remember it was so difficult to fix it. <laughs> yeah now we get it a day we get a star wars show episode a day early quote unquote at 6 p.m rather than midnight and i really hope that they stick with this release schedule for future projects we started with just to reiterate what you said we started with andor i think episodes one through three Mm -hmm. and i remember at first how it was not difficult to navigate but we were so new at the podcast that it was like okay do we do one episode each or do we do the uh the the trio of episodes like the I remember that conversation and then like trying to stick on a schedule and getting the hang of it I feel like we have the hang of it now we're getting back into a routine after you know you and I having some life changes but also like the the name I remember when we decided the name over Twitter we were just kind of throwing it back and forth in DMs and we thought of a couple and then I forgot how we came up with Stardust Records but I knew wanting it to do with music or like vinyl records came to mind because that's one of the things that you know is a part of our friendship I know we both collect 
records or used to. And so, yeah, I, I love how that's transformed because now we're dropping the new look and we've kind of hinted at it for a while with all of the album covers, quote unquote, that we've used. And it's cool. I, you know, I remember adding the pin drop to the beginning of each episode and being like, yes, like this is kind of kind of what we're going for. And it's awesome how it's taken this long. It wasn't just like a thing that we rushed into. It kind of grew Mm -hmm. with us. I don't know. What do you think? No, yeah. Everything that you said, I love how we've evolved and just sort of took the time to find our footing and our our vibe I guess um and yeah I I'm so excited for the future especially like looking back and seeing how far we've come um and the people that we've been able to have on the podcast our close friends um some authors other um podcasters and they've all been wonderful and it's been so this has been about like finding a community as well I think and and forging friendships and finding um different voices and opinions to uh to talk about Star Wars with because Star Wars is a medium to talk about real life I feel like and so because it's a story and so I love that you know we can talk to each other about that and and break down the stories that we talk about and and find like life meanings in them and then we can have other people as well to like you know impart their opinions and their wisdom um as we discuss these star wars projects and i just think that's so neat i love that Mm -hmm. i think we got alden to come on was he our first yeah he was our first guest and then he reciprocated and we went on his and then we had some friends on we had Emily and Mo and uh and then I remember being really excited about Kelly Knox because she was kind of like a more (laughs) I don't want to say bigger name but she she was a, a bigger name and you know we have some guests lined up that are one is confirmed and I know another is we're still kind of waiting but it's really exciting how it's been from like other podcasters and friends to people. And I'm not saying we don't look up to those people, but people that we do really look up to and like we've read their works and it's really exciting. And I remember the other day we gained like three followers and I was like, yeah, (laughs) this is so awesome. And it's just cool. I know that we're not doing this just to grow, but it is really cool to see that stuff that we, you know, put our, I'll say put our hearts into because we're just putting a microphone in front of our conversation that we would have without it. And people are enjoying it. So it's nice to know and to hear that people are listening and enjoy what we talk about and our uh, antics. Yes, our giggles. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, and to that point uh, earlier, uh, when you were mentioning sort of our our theme, you know, our the vinyl records, the music theme. I just remember when Alden came on to our he was our first guest, and he was talking to us after, and he was saying that he liked like the uh, 
I remember correctly, he was saying that we kind of had like the coffee shop vibe, you know, where you like go in and you just like hang out and you talk and stuff. And that was kind of like how it sort of connected to like the record, you know, people play like vinyl records and older music and coffee shops kind of vibe. So I was like, oh, that's so cool. And, you know, I I think we've really built on that. I think that him saying that is what built the or is what made me think about the record the needle drop at the beginning of the recording mm-hmm. and I was like wait it, it could be like our because now that we're doing the album cover is like we'll find a classic or modern album cover and we'll kind of Star Warsify it it's almost like when somebody hits play on it it's like they're putting a record to play and it's like this is so good. Not to talk us up, but I think that it's <laughs> such like a a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I think that we should be proud of that. And I love that it's like had influence from a lot of other people as well. Mm-hmm. Where we've kind of because that's how I think your people are meant to grow is that you join a community and we're all here to like help each other. It's build not each other up. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's that's really important. And the fact that it's we've been able to like meet some of these people in person and it's been really fun. I don't yeah. know. It's been cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been I I was always like, you know, as long as we're having fun and we do this on our, you know, we don't push ourselves, we do this on our time, we do it when we're motivated. Mm-hmm. Um and we and we try to stay motivated and um you know, hopeful. And uh, I, I think we've, I think that we've seen the fruits of, of our passion. Um, and that just, that just comes with us being, our hearts are in this. And so, I, again, we thank our viewers, our, our listeners for listening um, so much, because you guys are the reason why, you know, one reason why we keep doing this is because we want people to to be able to hear us because you guys have said that you you like us so (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think my favorite thing is you know Savi's obviously not my real name surprise but (laughs) um it's like telling people in the family that I have a podcast and I've normally like kept it to myself and uh my sister has found out somehow and like she told her in-laws and like the in-laws allow the kids to listen and like people are like so you just talk about Star Wars for 45 minutes and I'm like well there is a lot to talk about I know that there's so many different forms of podcasts out there like home improvement and mental health and things like that and there's a lot to talk about those things not those two things in specifics but like there is a lot to talk about Star Wars it's not just like oh I like Star Wars there's so many deeper meanings to everything and the differentiating opinions and thoughts and conversations are so important to have and I know that there's a lot of Star Wars Star Wars podcasts, but I think that that's important or good because not everybody has the same thoughts about every project that comes out. I think if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. I don't know where I was oh, going that, with that. No, no, that sound that was perfect. That sounded great. <laughs> I'm just over here nodding like yes. <laughs> We were going to ask each other what our favorite episode moments were. So what was yours? 
Oh gosh, now I actually have to think about it. This was my, I was like, we should ask each other what our favorite moments are. And then I'm like, oh, what was my favorite moment? Um, I would have to say, I don't want to pick a favorite guest because, <laughs> um, but I think probably we did that one episode where we asked each other a bunch of questions like Star Wars trivia. Oh yeah. And, and I, we were giggling I, the whole time. I I loved that one because it was just it was just so goofy. Um, and then I guess probably one of the others was uh, I could just take my pick of any Andor episode that we covered, but um, because I just like I had mentioned at the beginning of this, I I loved um, I just have such fun memories of of that. So, but what about you? What was your what's one of your highlights? I think the same for me. I loved covering. And or I, I thought it like it was such a long time coming the show I was thinking about it today I was trying to make a, a video or of some sort and I was I kept deleting it and, and things like that but I, I was like there was the 2018 announcement on Twitter and then there was D23 and then it was quiet for a really long time and then we got more news so it was like a really slow buildup, even leading up to the show. So being able to have episodes out on a platform that we could talk about and actively enjoy was so crazy. Like, I still sometimes can't fathom that we live in a world where all of Andor is out. What are you looking forward to the most oh, in the future I feel of like Stardust Records? I feel like there's so much content that is kind of like, I feels like we're kind of in this waiting. Well, we are in a waiting period for the strikes, but um, the shows won't be out. More shows and more content won't be out until like, you know, next year. And so, and probably later next year. And so we're kind of in this like limbo. And I think as like, kind of like, oh, we got to wait as it is. Um, I'm excited to see like what we come up with to talk about we're going to focus probably a lot on like novels and um, books and things as we continue forward um, into the end of the year. And we're also going to have some really, you know, some special guests and we're excited for that too. So I think I'm just excited to see what we come up with um, and, mm -hmm. you know, where we'll be in another year. I guess that's, I guess that's what I'm excited for. Yeah. No, that that'd be that'd be really cool. And yeah, I, I suppose that's the same for me. I I am really excited to see where we'll be a year from now. You know, on our 2-year anniversary and what shows will be out and I have hope for the future and <laughs> uh and you know, the future of the pod. I I know that like it's not going anywhere. So, yeah, just the same thing Lynn said. We can move on to our episode now that we've got all the mushiness out. Well, thanks for tuning in for, well, I'm not saying goodbye because we have an entire episode coming up, but thanks for joining us for, you know, a whole 24 episodes of us talking. I can't imagine how many hours that is. And to those who've been here, you know, since episode one, thank you for sticking it out with us. Everything that Sabi said. <laughs> and now we to, love you. Yes, we love you so much. Thank you. And now to our episode. Lynn and I are filming or recording this a bit out of order, but it ha it's been a while since we've 
last sat down together to record, but it hasn't been a while since we've spoken because we were hanging out in person. Yes, a couple times, uh, within a couple weeks of each other, uh, uh, Savi came here and hung out with me for, what was it, like four or five days, and then the next week I went out to Savi and we hung out, and it was awesome. It was so fun. We did a lot of just uh, normal friend stuff, helping each other out with things we needed help with, so uh, yeah, it was great. It was much needed bestie time. I guess it's now time to introduce our guest but if you open the dictionary and look up the name mj the definition underneath it will be thrawn's pr manager around these parts there's no better person to go when you're looking for someone who knows the infamous grand admiral's past present and future so to the gal who needs no introduction everybody please welcome to our podcast chimera chat mj welcome mj hello Thank you for having me. It's been a while. It has been a while. The last time was for the, we did the season review of The Bad Batch. Yes, I'm so excited to be back and to talk about none other than my bestest blue boy, Thrawn, the man of the hour. The man of like this part of the year, right? <laughs> it's his world. We're just living in it. Uh, Linz and I have some questions for you that we love to ask because we know you and I feel like Star Wars Twitter knows you as like the person to go to like in our introduction what do you think Linz that it's it's like I'm we're confident in saying that MJ is like the Thrawn girly with a capital G. yes if I need if I need to know anything about Thrawn I'm gonna be going straight to MJ uh for sure before we like get into the actual questions I just did just want to ask like like when did you personally th- like sit down with like a Thrawn novel or something like that and and like introduce yourself to Thrawn? Like how long have you known him? Three years. Really? Like almost on the dot. Like three years. I've I've been in, in this PR position. <laughs> like I think I watched Rebels in full um during quarantine. And I was obsessed with it. And I was like, this is the greatest Star Wars I've ever seen. And then I, you know, I got to season three and I was like, who is this guy? And I didn't know that he had been a, a book character. So I went to the store. I got Thrawn 2017 and the rest is history. <laughs> like I have not, I don't think I've stopped liking him for a second since. Like he is just the Star Wars character for me like no one else even comes close and I'm sure we'll like probably lead into this with some of the questions we have for you but like what is it about him as a character that kind of pulled you in it's his complexity because as I'm struggling to pinpoint it on one thing um I think it's his complexity and his tragedy I think He's been through so much. He's lived He's lived so many lives over the course of um, his content. But I think at the end of the day, if I had to um, like pinpoint one characteristic, it would be his hopefulness, which probably sounds so bizarre considering you only know him as like a Rebels antagonist. Um, he he will always and part of the reason why like 
his intellect is so important is because he will never give up like he will always try to come up with another way a new idea some creative way to reach his goal and usually his goal is for the greater good of his people so I don't know I like his loyalty I like his bravery and I just think he stands for a lot of good things as well as bad but he really does stand for what he believes in so whether it's what if you agree with it or if you don't agree with it he will always like stand firm in his beliefs going off of that which will lead me into my first question I feel like a lot of people who have met Thrawn in just the visual media will kind of see him as you know a villain rather than the complex character that we you have read about in the books and stuff essentially what he did to Lothal and and you know with Ezra and the and what happened at the end of you know the television show that he's been a part of where people have met him there so what would you say to people who have only met Thrawn through visual media and not the books I think the biggest thing that people need to remember is that rebels is told from the perspective of the ghost crew. So they are trying to accomplish their goals, which actively go against what Thrawn and the Empire are trying to do. Whereas in the Thrawn books, this is being told from a Thrawn-centric perspective. So he's the protagonist of the books, whereas in Rebels, he's an antagonist. And that's why the word villain gets thrown around so much. I personally have never used that word for him, which I don't think that that makes him a good guy. I just, he's an antagonist in Rebels. Um, he's more of a morally gray character, which I feel like some people have a hard time wrapping their heads around. Like they want them to either be a stark hero or a stark villain he's an anti-hero he is like the taylor swift song to a t he's an anti-villain correction but to make it a taylor swift reference in the books we learn his um motivations so like why he's working with the empire and at the end of the day the only reason why he does what he does is because in his eyes it is to protect his people that's his goal and whether you think that that's a morally incorrect goal or not is based on your perspective like if you're more oh I like the rebels so I want to side with the rebels or if you're a Chiss fan you're like oh well I want the Chiss to like succeed it it kind of it's all about the perspectives the point of views I, I I like when when I first started watching rebels it was maybe I think already two years ago and I knew of him because Star Wars Twitter is there's a whole community Chiss Twitter and I I was I will admit that I was confused like I was like this man is is not terrible but like what he did to Lothal and and it was it was wrong and when you look at somebody who is so high up in the empire it's very interesting to see them as kind of somewhere in between rather as just purely evil and while time has gone by I've not thought of him as an evil person anymore i read the first comic just to see where he comes from and where he goes to uh the academy with eli and he faces i'm gonna say essentially like speciesism or like racism in a way where it's like, like xenophobia 
Yeah. And it starts right after his his exile, right? Yes. So it's like he's going through this. I don't know anything about his his banishment. So it, we kind of meet him in this one place and he gets essentially like partnered with Eli and and we have to learn that he has to catch up so he can graduate and, and like knowing where he is and rebels. He didn't have it very easy. He suffered. It's definitely a really interesting character arc and I wish that I didn't read so slowly so I can le- know about him because I, I love the way people who have read about this character know him. I had one more point if that's okay. Yeah, make it. So you mentioned the speciesism he faces, which I think is part of the reason why he and Eli work so well as a pair, because Eli faces blatant racism from being from Lysatra. So Thrawn is basically an allegory for xenophobia in the military, and he has to work twice as hard to reap half of the reward, which is what's so exceptional about him getting to the rank of Grand Admiral. And that's where he comes from as a character, Timothy Zahn. He was like, why are there no aliens in the original trilogy? We don't see any aliens in the Empire. We see alien bounty hunters. We see aliens at the cantina. So that's why I think it's so interesting because he not only has to overcome just getting to the rank based on his competence, but he also has to battle this, what is essentially racism and that makes it twice as hard for him to get there, which I think is part of the reason why a lot of um, the community cherishes him as a comfort character because, you know, I can't really speak on that, but as a woman, I know like working twice as hard for half of the benefits. I feel like he would be a character that would be really easily, easily related to, especially with people of color and women and, you know, not to bring up Cassian but like it's kind of like immigrant children can relate to him. Part of the reason why Eli Vanto is so important just not even biased from a literary perspective Eli is our eyes to what is happening so he's brought in immediately he we're introduced to Eli before we're introduced to Thrawn really because in Sherlock I don't know how familiar you are but I I love Sherlock (laughs) they are Sherlock Watson and Moriarty Thrawn is Sherlock Eli is Watson because in Arthur Conan Doyle Watson is the eyes to the story it's from his perspective because if the story were to be told from Sherlock or in this case Thrawn's perspective, his brain, he works so much faster and he sees different things like from his um, background in arts and culture, he works like so much faster in his head than a normal person like Eli, which is why it's so important that he's the, the narrator because he is our eyes to the story. The story wouldn't be half as good if it was, oh, well, Thrawn figured this out on the very first page. Like, that's not a story. That's why it's so interesting to see it develop. And also that reflects not only on how the story itself is told, but the morality spectrum, you know, like Eli's Watson, he's very hesitant, whereas Thrawn, like Sherlock, is like this is just how it is very like logical not cold but very factual uh logic driven and then the antagonist in the story night swan he's like moriarty would you say then that because i know eli is a person of color essentially so and isn't he from wild space as well yes because like, I know that Eli or like Thrawn was essentially assigned to Eli, like to, to shadow him, right? Like through Eli the- was his translator. Okay, that's that's and what I was. Go ahead. There's a very interesting point from Thrawn because Eli's like, "Why me? Why are you ruining my life?" <sighs> it is because Thrawn's life was put into Eli's hands because his words 
were being reflected through him if he like had any malicious intent or for some reason just said something wrong like he could have suffered so there's a lot of trust that's like forced upon them and then you get to see their relationship develop from something bitter to you have taught me and changed my life in a way for the better right because Eli ends up going to work for the ascendancy because from the beginning, Eli, as a southerner, at, southerner, like a wild space southerner, southerner um, a country boy, <laughs> as a country boy, he did not fit in at the Royal Imperial Academy. He didn't want to work in the empire. He wanted to be a shipping person with his family's company. From the beginning, we know that Eli never really fit in with the Empire or aligned completely with the the morals and like what the Empire required them to do. So it's beautiful in a way that he meets this person and then goes and works on something that he can actually agree with, you know? I don't know a lot about Eli, just kind of the basics, but it, I their story seems like very pure in a way for two people who work for the empire <laughs> but um yeah it, it's definitely a really complex story like you had said earlier like these characters are complex and and I think that that's what you know draws people to their story this leads me into my next question we'll kind of like work backwards essentially so Thrawn is exiled from the ascendancy and it, it seems like a central plot point could you elaborate on the circumstances surrounding his banishment and how it led to his eventual involvement in the Empire? Mm -hmm. So it's funny that you use the word working backwards because in this beautiful full circle moment, the prologue for Thrawn 2017 is the epilogue of Lesser Evil, word for word. Interesting. So that whole epilogue about his exile that's literally the it's the closing of a chapter but the start of a new one hmm. quite literally there's this long it's it spans over the course of the entire ascendancy trilogy the fight with um different alien species and pirates and then you find out slowly that oh these pirates are allied with a larger group of villains and then like this person is working under and it was oh this guy all along so like without getting into like too spoilery territory about like the villains and the grisks and all the fights um it boils down to Thrawn needed to stop these antagonists these grisks but the Chiss do not believe in preemptive strikes. They only attack when they are being threatened and like already called to war. They do not, they're very peaceful people, which people who watch the Rebel series must not realize that Thrawn comes from a culture of no preemptive strikes. He struggles politically. That is his biggest weakness is that Thrawn doesn't understand politics. There were already these people working against him. And then when they find out, oh my gosh, he did a preemptive strike. And even though it was necessary, they kind of like catch him on a technicality and they won't rest until there's a fall man. And Thrawn is like, it's got to be me, doesn't it? And it's so sad because it's like either his entire crew 
or him basically like we're gonna put a stop to the chiss expansionary defense fleet because we don't like it so thrawn is like well i'll take the blame it was gonna be me all along anyways wasn't it so being the man that he is he doesn't want this to be for nothing because at the end of the day he still wants to protect his people above all else even if that means he can no longer be in the military so they come to an agreement that he is going to move planet from planet every month to learn more about this clone wars that he heard of Mm -hmm. and that's how he ends up getting picked up by the empire and he's like empire i thought we were still in the clone wars what's happening so he's like trying to get to the bottom of that so his exile was planned but unfortunate nonetheless i i know that you mentioned clone wars and my brain automatically went to anakin is that's is that how he works with him because i know that they have like a connection that is how um thrawn learned of the clone wars they met on batu shameless disney world plug (sighs) um they literally have a fight in oga's cantina stop are you serious Yes, the blaster marks on Oga's cantina walls are literally canonically from Thrawn. That's really, really cool. Yeah, so Thrawn meets Anakin on Batu when Anakin is looking for Padme because Padme went after one of her handmaidens. And Thrawn is just like, oh, you're looking for your wife? And Anakin's like, what? I never said that. He literally can read him immediately. And thus is the beginning of a very complicated frenemy ship <laughs> like their beef is so funny one of my favorite fun facts timothy zahn told me this not to like flex but you can flex. um he told me that originally it was supposed to be ahsoka and not padme which uh he was barred from writing ahsoka because at the time season seven of the clone wars was being made and but no one was allowed to know that i can't imagine how differently the the redacted shows going on currently in the future movies would be if Thrawn had met Anakin or had met Ahsoka instead of Padme but that is really interesting to think about how that would have affected what's out now especially mm-hmm. because of the plot line I, I think that I prefer I haven't read it but like I feel like it's interesting with with Anakin because of you know Vader and like their their future interactions moving on there are other characters that we haven't like known or read about outside of these specific books but can you talk about like the other chiss that formulated Thrawn's story and kind of any impact they might have had on his characters and his actions yes okay um I think it's most appropriate to start at the beginning so he had an older sister named Borika And she um, left home when she was very young. Thrawn was very young, probably like four or something. Um, But he still remembers her. So like, I don't know what age that is. I'm not very good with kids. (laughs) But um, she left home to be a Skywalker. Yeah, very iconic name. But Skywalker is the name given to the Chiss navigators. So all of the navigators on the Chiss military ships are young girls because the the young 
cis women are force sensitive up until their teenage years and then it fades away I, they they call that something they call There's a cis word for it it's like ollie zumbo or something i don't know <laughs> i don't speak tune <laughs> it's skywalker in in basic or whatever you call english in that's so I didn't know Barika was his sister, but uh Twitter artists like Eli have have drawn her and I've been like, who is this beautiful blue? Drawn's big sissy. He has such youngest sibling energy. Like that is the best way I can describe him because wherever he goes, he like gets an older sibling, like Thras, Aralani, all of these people. He just has the he radiates I do what I want energy. He's just like me. <laughs> yes, same. <laughs> So Thras isn't his biological brother? No, Thras, um, he meets at, I think it's like a, 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 it's a political building of some sort. I don't remember the name exactly, but they're staring at a painting and Thrawn like Luckily, mails to a T. <laughs> he like whips out the facts. He's like, oh, this is a so-and-so artist. And this and he like tells you he like infers all of this stuff about the painting and thras who is already a politician is like staring at this 20 year old boy and he's like how did you know that and like so cool. that's a beautiful familial relationship blossoms and they hang out and they play board games and they eat cheese and they're just brothers it's beautiful does thron ever see borica again no no. They cut that from Lesser Evil. This is another thing Timothy Zahn told me. He was like, oh yeah, we were going to have them reunite. But then we were like, that's too much for this book. And I was like, you oh, can't I just say that to me on a whim. <laughs> like, I need six days to process this. At least in your head, they've reunited. Exactly. So, and I know that Thras, spoilers, like sadly passes away, right? Yes. On okay. the outbound flight. He dies with a human and it was Thras's wish to see Chiss and humans coexist, which is what's so beautiful about Eli Vanto, because that was literally Thrawn's brother's dream to see human and Chiss working together. And Eli goes and works with the Chiss. That's so sweet. And and still on like the other Chiss, Eli and Arlani work together? Yes. Okay. So Arlani is the admiral. She's like top dog she's so cool yeah I love her and Eli goes to work with the Chiss and he works under Aralani because who else would Thrawn trust with his best translator boy than his bestest admiral buddy <laughs> and um Eli's running numbers and he's like I thought I was sent to the ascendancy to do something important why am I just doing these stupid numbers all day long and then over time, he learns, oh my gosh, this was for the Skywalker program. He was doing research for why the um, the young Chiss girls lose their Force abilities, which is closely related to Thrawn's personal blood sister. So, like, he he didn't realize he was he was doing something extremely important. Mm -hmm. That's a great arc. And then, who is? sweet cherry or sherry cherry <laughs> is... i just want to say her name with like little french accent <laughs> yes she's sherry uh mark thompson who does the audiobook says cheery and i just physically cringe every time he says that because it's like sherry like sherry sherry um, um 
so Sherry is the Skywalker on the ship when Thrawn is senior captain of the Springhawk. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's the little navigator, like she does the force. They call it third sight. It's not called the force. It's third sight. Okay, that was the word I was looking for earlier. Because they are able to see like 15 seconds in advance or whatever. They know like where the ships and the meteors and everything are. Um, Sherry is so awesome because she brings out such a soft side of Thrawn. Like he bought her art supplies and he taught her how to fly and they're like Thrawn you can't take a 12 year old girl on your own and just let her fly a ship and he's like of course I can like she wanted to so I think that's another reason why back to like the first question of why why I feel like so attached to Thrawn because he's so encouraging especially to young women he's like you can be anything you want to be when you grow up you are at the perfect place in your life like you're not worried about the future that'll all work out you just need to do like what you think is best and I just think that like that kind of encouragement to get that from a character like him that it makes it stand out even more to me he gets to be the big brother you know he gets to have his big brother moment exactly it's it's also rare i I don't want to say rare, but it is all, it feels rare when we get like a a high ranking male character, like encouraging young aspiring women, essentially. Like I do feel like we got that in some points with Anakin and Ahsoka and, and even like Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. And I can't really think of any off the top of my head, but Saw and Jin. Um, so it, it is encouraging to hear that it like a male character that will probably become more popular within the next coming weeks like knowing that if people do flock to the books after he's introduced um it'll be cool that they'll be able to read that because i do feel like yeah he's a feminist icon more dude bros need to recognize that (laughs) you mentioned art earlier with thrust and i think that that is such a wholesome moment so i thought that we can when we do see this in rebels when he has sabine wren's art uh i think it was in his office like he cut out the graffiti but the calicori <laughs> i'm holding for the listeners at home i'm holding a actually wooden physical like this thing is so heavy calicori it's from galaxy's edge they wow. used to sell them they don't sell them anymore um I got it in probably 2020 or 2021, which is when no one at the parks knew what this was or who Thrawn was. And now it's like my most prized possession. So yes, art. It's gorgeous. I have forgotten not everyone is able to appreciate art as I do. So can you discuss some memorable examples of how Thrawn's appreciation for art and culture played a role in his military campaigns and decision-making process? I think it's really funny that, and this is from the Imperial Trilogy. Mm-hmm. I think it's really funny that he can recognize things like metals, like precious metals. Like that's a big plot point in the Ascendancy books as well. Like specific cultures use specific metals 
and like like i remember there's a chiss who's gifted a ring and they're like wait this metal is only from this culture and this species so it's very important but back to the imperial trilogy <laughs> he's recognizing these clone wars weapons and he's like this isn't trash this isn't trash like and they're like what and he's like putting them on his ship like and um there he gets in trouble for it they're like you can't keep these things and he's like but they're useful and um it's interesting like I can't imagine what was going through the heads of the other Imperials they're just like this guy is so strange but then it always comes back in some big dramatic full circle way that's like I was right all along <laughs> like I do think it's funny like we see this in the animated series as well um like you mentioned in his office he just has all this art and it's like that's that's on your ship like the logistics of it like in the rebels finale when there's that whole jedi temple and i'm just like how did we get this on the chimera when did we get this on the chimera but if it's gonna be on one imperial ship of course it's gonna be on thrones well, I feel like art is a very personal thing for a lot of people. So I, I feel like that's a great way to really learn about somebody's strategies and decision making. Art says a lot of things about somebody's thinking process. One of the paintings, I think it's the painting that he discusses with Thras. He um, notices that the brush strokes are different from her earlier work. Yeah. And then Thras looks it up and she lost the artist lost all of her sons to war and Th thras is like so taken aback he's like how did you pick up on that um just from the brush strokes alone or whatever and um there's another line one that i really like from thrawn and i think it might be from his diary um so it's like a first person quote but he says that you learn a lot about people based on what they remember and I think that that's so true like not yeah. even just in in Star Wars but in life you learn a lot by what people remember by what's important to them it, it like like with art the way they interpret it or the what something remember what someone remembers like speaks speaks to what's important to them so before we go on to another question, I just want to interject. I've been quiet, but I'm just absorbing all of this knowledge. Um, I actually was introduced to Thrawn many years ago. One of the first Star Wars um, books that I read was the original uh, Thrawn trilogy. Um, so that was that's sort of the extent of my Thrawn knowledge beyond uh, Rebels. So I haven't read any of these new books, but I do remember really enjoying Thrawn's character um, in the past when I read those that real original trilogy. So I'm being quiet right now because I'm just sort of absorbing all of this knowledge about um, the newer Thrawn content, the canon uh, Thrawn content now. And I'm just really enjoying how um, you're breaking 
down and how uh, Savi here, like their her questions are awesome. And I'm really excited. I just, this is really fun to listen to. So if I'm quiet this episode, it's just because I'm just like absorbing it all like a sponge. Um, but yeah, this has been super fun. And so Savi, what is your next question? I can't wait to hear more. Uh, you mentioned Thrawn's ship and, and how he he keeps all of the artwork on there and then the part of the Jedi temple. So I thought that we kind of not wrap up because I do have one more question, a fun one, which will be our closing note, essentially. Thrawn's flagship, is it the Chimera? Yes. Okay. Chimera. I don't want to pronounce it incorrectly. It, uh, it plays a significant role. I feel like in Rebels as well as the books, like I, it is a very intimidating looking ship. What unique features or capabilities make the Chimera such a formidable vessel? And how does it reflect Thrawn's tactical prowess? This is such a technical question. I feel like I like pulled out my journalism degree for this. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I mean, are you talking about the ship itself? Yeah. And like, I just feel like it's, it's a very iconic ship. Like I, I've never. I was going to talk about the symbol. Yes. I, I would love that. I've, this is the only ship aside from like Vader's ship that I've, it was mentioned in Lost Stars, but like, this is the only ship that I've seen and heard name dropped consistently and like associated with a character so strongly. I don't know. You want to talk about the symbol? Because I, I don't think we've seen a symbol on the other Star Destroyers. Um, <laughs> I get to chat about the Chimera. Oh, Chimera chat. Anyways. Um, <laughs> I wish I was one of those Star Wars nerds that could tell you all about the like ship itself. Unfortunately, I'm not that's my brother he like has memorized every sort of ship and I'm like I can't tell the difference between an a-wing and a b-wing <laughs> but I can tell you about the symbol because the chimera is my baby I love her I want to start off with Timothy Zahn's personal head cannon. this is not like canon canon this is just like him he has this head cannon that all of the grand admirals have their own design on the underbelly of the Star Destroyers. So that's how you know that an ISD is commanded by a Grand Admiral and not just an Admiral. So it's like a recognizable feature. So like, if you see one of those pull up, you're like, oh crap, like it's serious. Um, and it's kind of like what you were talking about, how it's like a formidable symbol almost. It's like intimidating. Um, the symbol itself comes from his meeting with a character named Ungali, who was um, an alien from like this, this mining clan. And the first time he met him, he gave Thrawn this ring. And it was like a double finger ring with the Chimera symbol on it. And he was talking about, like, this is very significant to our culture. I'm giving it, to, I'm entrusting it upon you to return it safely. And Thrawn was just, like, really taken aback by this, especially because, you know, like, he loves culture and stuff like that. Um, and I even think there's a line where Thalius says something like she had never seen him so, like, shocked. And he he's like, this is, he'll guard it in a place of honor. And then... 
obviously like he comes back he still has the ring whatever um but it's interesting that he adopts it as his own symbol and I think that it can symbolize a lot of things like loyalty and um I just love the design itself you know the like I think it's seven snake like a bed of snakes protected by two larger snakes um it to me like just personally I think it, it's a symbol of loyalty but also I love how they're climbing upwards it's like a defiantly upwards kind of thing if you you've like that vibe you know what I mean yeah it's it's really interesting because we've noticed that in Star Wars they don't shy away from using references to Norse mythology and Greek mythology and things like that and the chimera is a is a character character a creature in the Iliad and it's very similar to how it's portrayed on the bot underbelly of his ship and I think that that's a really interesting connection because I know that two very new characters are from North myth North 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 <laughs> North mythology so it is really interesting to see them pulling from different aspects uh because the chimera and the Iliad, if I'm remembering correctly, it is, I think it's a lion and two snakes. So it is funny that you say loyalty because I feel like loyalty, well, not funny. It is interesting that you say loyalty. Yeah, yeah. I feel like lions are like a very loyal creature. So, and then I think that it's described as the bane of men and it, it almost feels like when you like see a ship that big, like you had said, like when you see the underbelly and it's like the the symbol and you said it's almost like an oh shit moment because when you see that, you know that you're in big trouble. Exactly. So yeah, the connections are really, really interesting. I took Latin for four years. So like I'm very big into like that kind of stuff, um, mm -hmm. which is probably why it ended up being my username um but yeah like the Iliad and ships like because this is the imperial navy like it's like um having different flags on ships and having like yeah. mermaids and like statuettes on the front of it because it's something to differentiate it's like how pirates had different like flags wow. and they they invoke different fears you're like uh-oh Thrawn especially because he's so well known I was gonna say that as we're talking you're you're mentioning um like having different flags and like how pirates had different flags and i i know that you just said that timothy's head head cannon is that um a lot of like the grand admirals had their own symbols mm -hmm. and i think that's so cool and i also think it's very interesting that um even if like if that head cannon is like canon and that was like really true and was in the Star Wars universe. And if not, I think it really reflects interestingly upon Thrawn's character to have anything on his ship because up until the point that we see that symbol on the bottom of his ship, I don't know that there's really any other Imperial destroyers um, uh, in the Navy that have any sort of symbolry on any level close to that. So, I think it's amazing how, and also to the point of how you were saying how like the snakes kind of like, it's an upward symbol. Mm -hmm. um, Thrawn had to fight against everything 
to be to become to to get to the position that he ended up in in the empire and i think putting a symbol or having getting to the point where he could put a symbol on the bottom of the ship is almost like a kind of like a almost like a defiant thing in a way to me it almost feels kind of defiant because it goes against like the rigid structure and uniformity and sterility of the empire in my mind so i and yet thrawn is so prolific in the empire he is so as we've thrown we've we've talked formidable he's formidable his ship is formidable um and i think that's one reason why i think he is such a attractive character um narratively wise because he's so juxtaposed to what most of us are accustomed to when we think of the empire and the people who operate in the empire um so yeah just thinking about the symbol really i'm like wow that's so interesting that he was able to put one on his ship at all you know they're like oh god here comes the art kid (laughs) (laughs) the 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 band kid or something yeah it's literally him (laughs) i i love that about him that he almost seems very not only defiant in like certain ways but he's also feels like very defiant to the narrative if that makes sense like when you mm-hmm. see him in his like white imperial uniform like you're expecting one thing but you get like a much more complex complex other thing so that was so ed- like educating I feel so ready to jump into all of the books you should be you have so much time to read who all am I if not Timothy Zahn's salesperson like <laughs> at the end of the day that's why I'm here <laughs> Which leads me to the final fun question. Today is a very special holiday <laughs> at the time of this recording. Um, it'll be uh, it'll already long past by the time this episode is released, but today is Timothy Zahn's birthday. So yeah, to celebrate, could you tell us about your experience with the author? Because I know you guys are kind of like besties. <laughs> we are besties. Um, oh my God. There's too many stories to tell. Um, Your favorite one? My favorite story? I feel like those are kind of like the more personal ones. Okay, um, so your most brief. I think of like anything funny. I mean, I think he himself is such a funny man. Okay, I have a good one. I have a good one. Um, He's so funny. Like, I feel like people read the books and they're like, oh, this old, no offense, and 72 has never looked so good um <laughs> that's so funny oh this older gentleman like writing this very like um very technical story um and they expect him to be like I mean he is introverted and he is smart and he is like just so oh my gosh he's amazing but I feel like people want him to be like Thrawn and he is there are like a lot of similarities between the two um because that's his boy that's his baby (laughs) but I also forget that like he also writes the other characters so like the comedy of Anakin and Thrawn and the comedy of Vader and Thrawn but also the comedy of Krennic and Ronan and the Chiss politicians Thurfian and Zestalmu like all of that comes from him still. So I feel like people don't expect him to be like 
as witty or snarky at times as he is. Um, I don't know. I have like a lot of, I've learned a lot from him, especially about these books. And there's like, I don't know, but I just, I think my funniest moments with him are when I'm trying to be me and get a laugh out of him. And he just like, won't entertain it. Like that man is a hater to his core. I (laughs) I think I said something about it's for the greater good because that's one of the ascendancy book titles and he just looked at me like he physically made a noise he was like oh like that was <laughs> it was just so bad and then like two minutes later he made a pun about lesser evil and I'm like that's payback like that's how petty he is like yeah. I don't know I love him I can't wait to see him again that's soon right yeah March we're getting dinner okay whoa I- <laughs> Oh, you're getting dinner with him? Like you're going? Yes, he invited me to dinner very kindly. I don't want him to pay for it, but he and his wife insisted that they pay for it. But I'll figure it out. <laughs> so like you're essentially their child now. Like they've Yeah, I mean, they have a son and a cat, but, <laughs> but I'm the favorite. Have, you now have a sibling and a cat. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, you know, Thrawn was adopted into the myth because there are nine ruling families and then the Chiss characters get adopted into them. That's how they get the first part of their name. And Thrawn was adopted by the myth when he was 20, but I was adopted by the myth at 19. So like, who's the real winner here? I I beat him by a year. (laughs) My heart. That's amazing. That is really amazing. That's so special. And I'm so happy for you. That's cool. My gosh, we're going to have to rally together and like debrief sometime yeah. after that and you don't have to tell us everything but just yeah, your yeah. impressions of of your experience after that <laughs> there are some things awesome. I'm not allowed to say just probably from like an NDA perspective okay <laughs> well we hope you have a great time I know it's all the way in March but we'll, we'll it be seems far away but it'll be here before I know it yes I know I cannot believe it is already September 1st yeah big day oh gosh <laughs> a very important day in our history September 1st. <laughs> okay well thank you so much for coming on MJ it's always such a pleasure to have you on we 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 love talking to you I know I can speak for both Linda and I when I say that yes I wish I could have been funnier this time I feel like I let you guys down oh. but I'm so serious when it comes to this stuff I'm like oh. this- my full-time PR job <laughs> well sometimes sometimes we can put the funny to to the to the you know to the yeah. side and, and talk about the things that we love in a, in a serious tone and that's okay that's what makes it us felt awkward. like school for a minute there when you were asking me those questions I was like yeah do I have to write an essay <laughs> <laughs> well I was so excited writing those questions because um you know I've been wanting to get back into journalism and it's just mm-hmm. something that I I thought I didn't have a passion for anymore, but it's like slowly come back. But wow. I had so much fun writing those questions. And I can be anything you want to be when you grow up. Exactly. Sherry, <laughs> Sherry. <laughs> Sherry Kinney, I guess. Um, but MJ, where can we find you? You can Our find phone. me at very appropriately at Chimera underscore chat on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Mainly on Twitter, though. Yeah, I feel like we're all mainly on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. 
where I can talk the most. In case you can tell by however long this episode ends up being, I like to talk and hog conversations. There are some points where I'm tweeting and I'm like, I need to shut up. But it it just, it happens. So Mm -hmm. Liz, where can we find you? Cosmic Love on Twitter and at Rebel Risen on Instagram. And where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Enderisms at Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And that's all for this week. We'll see you next week for another episode of Stardust Records. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.